Yes. So Milton had them rehearsing because Milton had a rehearsal space, which was a few times. And there heard two other groups rehearsing. They was like, oh, my God, who are they? Because their voice was immaculate also. And at that time, the primes and their sister group, the primates, that's who they heard. The primates, of course, would be will become the Supremes. That's Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, and Florence Ballard was the primates back in those days and soon became the Supremes. They didn't get to know the girls all that well back then, but they could see that they was working very hard to get their sound out because they wanted to make music. They wanted to be famous. They wanted to be out there. They wanted to travel to different shows. The Primes, however, were another story. Quote, they were a trio. You had Paul Williams, you had Eddie Kendricks, and Kale Osborne that Milton had discovered sometime earlier, unquote. Paul and Eddie Kale were original from Birmingham, Alabama, where they had been friends since childhood. Being proud and somewhat competitive, my group will go up against any one of these little groups, shootouts. But once we heard the prize, they said, forget it. Uh, mm -mm, mm -mm, I'll bow down. Hey, I can't. Mm -mm. I don't want no problem, Mr. Bozo. That's what they. That's what they will say. So, we thought we was hot doing our little uh, doo-wops tunes, but it was kid stuff compared to what the primes was doing. <laughs> uh uh, they were just a couple of years older than Otis and his Siberian group, Siberians. But that didn't stop them. Not at all. But he did say that their three-piece harmony, three-part harmony was heavenly. Heavenly. And the tunes like When I Love, When I Fall in Love, their voices just swore. We were good singers and all, but we knew that to do the kind of harmony the primes did, you had to have great ears to hear it. So, the other things the Primes had over, over them was the fantastic moves. The Primes were smooth and sexy, but classy at the same time. All the work of Paul Williams. So, Paul Williams, may he rest in peace. Paul Williams tore it up. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He tore it up. So, they got friendly with the group for a while, but you know, they never did stay in touch. It wasn't long before Bill Williams decided that he didn't have time to devote to Otis and the Siberians. So he gave them to somebody else, and her name was Johnny Mac Matthews. And she was trying to get something together in the music business. Sometime in the early, early late 1958 or early 1959. But they met Johnny Mac. She was like Milton Jenkins. And dozens of others would be pop music entertainers. They all knew it wasn't easy to make it big. But you know what? They still strived and still worked hard to get it done. Not long before a local guy named Jackie Wilson had a moderate national hit with his song, which everybody around knew had been co-written by Barry Gordy Jr., also from Detroit. And we all know 
Barry Gordon Jr. is the founder of Motown. Barry was also behind the success of other local groups, The Miracles. We knew Smokey Robinson and a couple of The Miracles, and everyone was talking about their good job. So, hey, everybody knew about them. So, like I said, they were trying to get their things out, and but you know what? Otis them, Otis still strive to get his music out. Still try. That's what he wanted. He wanted to sing, and he put everything to the side. And he was he was going. He said Johnny Mac may or may not have known Barry Gordon personally, but she knew what he was doing, and she was trying to do it herself. <sighs> See, back then, you know, women was just like blacks. There wasn't a, a lot of things that we could do as being women and as being black. So they did it. They tried. Hey, that's what they did. So at this time, they did some work. They was um, singing and everything. And people was walking by listening to what they were singing. And one person stopped. David Ruffin. But in his personal, in his book, Otis Williams didn't really talk too much about David Ruffin. At that point, he just said David Ruffin was a bystander and was listening. He said one of those bystanders was a singer named David Ruffin. So he was listening. People was walk was walking by, would hear the music and stop in. And one of those standbyers was David Ruffin. But he never really talked too much about him. They spent time with Johnny Mac and she taught them tunes and labels. And at this time, it was Northern Records on which she recorded them and several others at. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as we go on and go on and John, I mean, and Johnny Mac was still trying to make a name for herself. And they heard at one time that she almost got to manage the impressions. He was big back in those days. And at that time, who were, I guess, so big, they had a song called For Your Precious Love and Mary Wells, who later became Motown's first female star. Mary Wells, as they said, was very beautiful. And during their uh, tenor with Johnny Mac, Mary Wells and Otis carried on a secret romance in one of the offices. Mm-mm-mm. They supposed to been doing some recording and they in there doing the shaboot to boot in one of them offices. For some reason, hey, Johnny Mac's big break never did come. And that she tried, but it never did. And I don't know because if she was a female, that it didn't happen like it was supposed to, but we'll never know why. But you can't say, nobody can't say that she did never try. But she sure did have a good eye for talent. One of her recording sessions, she used a stand-up bass bass player named James Jans, James Jansen. Years later at Motown, James would be credited as being part mastermind of the Motown sound. And in 1959, a group called the Voice Masters released a song on Annie Records, a label co-founded by Barry Gordy's sister, Gwen, called Needed. 
So back in those days, they was they was getting different groups and 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 throwing out songs and 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 trying to get everybody on different parts and in different groups and what what group sounded good with this group and what group sounded with good with that group. It hey, they was trying. But they heard old Melvin. I love his voice, y'all. His voice is so deep. But they he heard, Otis Williams heard Melvin. And he was like, oh my God. Melvin Franklin had a deep voice on him. A deep voice on him. And so, hey, he wanted Melvin to join their group. Because at this time, people was getting kicked out and, and they was leaving and they didn't want to do it no more. And, and I'm done and, and, and I found religion and I'm not knocking religion, but you know, back in those days, people wanted to sing. That's how we got our groups going. They wanted to sing. They wanted to do it, and they did it. And this can you imagine back in those days, you know, not having enough money and you trying to get your outfits, coordinate, choreography, songs, writing down. And like I said, I am I was not born back in those days. My mother was born back in 44. But just to think, you know, you had to have money to get all this going. But some of these managers just took it and ran with it because they knew that these young people had talent. They knew that they had made something with themselves. And they knew that if they could get them in the studio just one time, they was going to blow up the charts. And that's what they did. But... But he needed Melvin's voice. Because like I said, everyone was going in and out, out in, and just quitting and all this mess. And so they wanted this. They wanted this right here. And so he said Richard had been in that little group with Melvin. But their relationship went back much further. So that Richard and Melvin wasn't only just friends just meeting to be friends. They had been friends for years, childhood friends. Childhood friends. Melvin had came to Detroit from Mobile, Alabama in 1952 at the age of nine. He was a minister's son and even though he'd been singing in church since he was three years old, Melvin reminded a somewhat shy performer. He remained it. He remained a shy performer. Richard was also quite a quiet type, but seemed to have more confidence, and that helped Melvin. In addition, Melvin never got along too well with his stepfather. <clears throat> now, how many of us got them stepfathers that only like you? Why? Because of your mama? Uh huh. Think about it. I know, right? Well, that's how his stepfather was. <clears throat> they didn't get along. It was Richard who turned Melvin onto the spectrum pop music and encouraged him to sing. Richard was a very easygoing guy and quite the ladies' man. Is everybody ladies' men back in them days? Now, only some of them, because you know, on my last podcast, I called out some names. I pulled the sheets off them because it was a little bit too much. But you know what? This is some true tea. Okay? But then he had a thing with one of the primates. So Richard 
Uh-huh. Listen, Richard had a thing with one of the primates, and I bet y'all can't believe who it was. I'm going to let y'all go ahead and think. Now, remember the primates? I told you later, later became the Supremes. So it was either Diana Ross, Mary Wilson, or Florence Ballard. Ah, you right. It was Diana Ross. Yes. And her name was Diane. But later, she changed her name to be Diana Ross. At the same time, Melvin had a crush on Diana's group mate, Mary Wilson. And Mary Wilson was a very beautiful young lady. Florence Ballard was too. And I'm just going to leave it at that on that side note. But Richard was always a loner. He kept plenty much. He kept plenty much to himself and still does. Just a few days after that, five of us, Al, Bryant, James Cropper, Melvin, Richard, Street, and I were in the studio recording. Come on. And always. Well, I don't think that um, did too much. Uh Uh-uh. At all. But I'm going to stop here and let's rewind back to how Melvin became a member of this particular group. See, Melvin was already in a group. Already with his family. And so Melvin, he came from a sheltered family. Well, background. And was kind of innocent by this by Detroit standards. See, I told you Detroit had a lot of gangs and stuff happening. Detroit was so fast. Too fast for a country pumpkin. But he said he, he had no problem to his mom because see, Melvin said, I can't do nothing without you talk to my mom first. You got to talk to her. Hey, talk to her. But before then, Melvin saw Otis was trying to get his attention, but he thought Otis was going to jump him because the way Otis was dressed. And so when Otis crossed the street, Melvin crossed the street. When Melvin crossed the street, Otis crossed the street. He said, Melvin, hey, stop. Wait, let me catch up. He said, I introduced myself. And I have an offer. Melvin later told me that he just moved to the neighborhood and was walking up Woodrow Wilson to avoid Parallel Street. Now, Parallel Street was one of them bad streets. I told you, had them gang members, okay? And so when I asked him, as Otis says, to join us in the distance, he replied, well, I don't know you, and you have to talk to my mama. Now, Otis was like, hey, I'm not, um, no problem. I talked to him. I talked to him right here. Let's go. So they walked over and stopped across the street from the house where uh, uh, Melvin lived at. And at that time, he lived at 1160 Claremont. He said, well, I live across the street and I'm going to stay right here. (laughs) I'm going to let you go talk to her. (laughs) Because if she say no and get to yelling, she's going to yell at you, not at me. Otis like, okay, stay here. Hide out. So Melvin hid behind that street. He was scared. Okay, he was like, uh-uh, you don't give me y'all beat up and whooped and stuff. Mm-mm. So Otis marched his little butt right across that street and knocked on the door. And Melvin's mom came. Her name is Mama Rose. She answered. He said, quote, Miss Franklin, my name is Otis Williams, and I have a group, and we have an offer to sign a contract. And I would, I would like to know if your son could sing with my group. Now, Unquote. Now, at this time, Melvin 
was singing with his close friend Richard Street, a guy named Wilson, Mako Wilson, and a brother and sister, Theodore and Barbara Martin. In a few years, Barbara would be a primate and signed to Motown as the fourth Supreme before leaving to start a family. Melvin had a little good group. I heard them sing around, this is what Otis says, but we were set to have a real recording contract and we already had a record record out, a record out. I truly felt that we were offering him the better opportunity. Now, Melvin was still hiding behind that tree. He didn't know what his mama was going to say. Mama Rose was, she sounded so polite. You know, they always, the mother sound polite until you make them upset. So as he said, I thought I didn't explain it. She said it was fine. She said, okay. Why did she say it was okay? She said, oh, after, before, before I tell you why she said it was okay, she called Melvin to come out behind that tree and they all sat down and talked for a while. Melvin had stayed across the street the whole time. I bet you he was scared, shaking, and everything. Let me tell you, that Temptations movie did it wonderfully because that um, young man that played Otis on the Temptations movie, not Otis, excuse me, Melvin on the Temptations movie, he hid behind that tree. (laughs) And Melvin was just peeping out every now and then to see what was going on. When he finally crossed the street, she said, well, you can go and sing with Melvin. You can go and sing with them, Melvin. And this is why. Because it sounds like Otis has his head on straight and that kind of thing. That's what. That's when Melvin and I started. We started hanging out every day. So they started doing things here and there and singing and all this mess. But in 1952, at the age of nine, Like I told you, he was a minister's son, so he was sheltered. He didn't get along with the the stepfather, and he probably didn't want him to sing and all that mess. But eventually, they started a group. And the group was named Temptations, but at first, it was just Otis Williams, Paul Williams, Melvin, Eddie Kendricks, and Kale Osborne. Now, they didn't have um, David Ruffin at the time. Well, time goes on. Kale, he leaves. And then they see, they meet and see David Ruffin. David Ruffin comes in, and I mean you, he blows up the group. I ain't too proud to beg my girl. So it was, his voice was a rough but powerful voice and that man can sing you out your drops. And I'm not saying that Melvin, Otis, Paul, or Eddie Kidders couldn't sing because they could. They voice had their own individual tone. And that's what I love because their tone matched together. It coordinated together. It, It was like glue. It bonded. And that was like amazing, amazing. And they went on to have hits after hits after hits. And then that's when David Ruffin got a little hot headed and things happened. He was no longer in the group because this man was on drugs. 
on drugs, y'all. And he thought it should have been David Ruffin and the Temptations. No, baby. No, baby. It was called The Temptations for a reason. If that's the case, it should have been Otis Williams and The Temptations. But he didn't have a big head. He did what he did. Now, let's jump into this tea. Because at this time, Dennis Edwards joined the team in 1968 for David Ruffin. So in 1968, David Ruffin was out of the picture. So now it was Dennis Edwards, Paul Williams, Otis Williams, Eddie Kendricks, and Melvin Franklin. But now, the tee up on that is Otis Williams, who fired Dennis three times when he was in the Temptations group. And he sued him for infringing on Williams' copyright. So I guess he, hey, I guess he was trying to do some stuff and it was copyrighted by Otis Williams. Otis was like, oh no, baby, we're not having this. Uh Uh-uh. We are not having this. Not at all. But I do love the Temptations. I love the original. I love the Temptations all together. The old, the new, and the young. But the original Temptations will be have a special place in my heart. Um, Otis, which still is the last original remaining Temptation. Rest in peace, David Ruffin, Dennis Edwards, Eddie Kendricks, Melvin Franklin, and Paul Williams. Let's take a moment to reflect all the wonderful songs they had made back as a group, as the original Temptations. And I hope that y'all enjoy my podcast, book review, join this amazing and wonderful team, go support me, join and share. You can send your donations, be a member, join this team, this family, for 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 to help keep these podcasts coming, these book reviews coming because it's an amazing thing. I hope y'all have a blessed and wonderful day. Take care.